Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link also at thetrumpet.com. Well, as we strive to live like a Christian, of course, there is a definite way of life that we have to live. It has everything to do with our day-to-day life, our relationship with God, our relationships with other people, and then even our, our business and financial practices. A pitfall for many people who consider themselves Christian is that they, they really don't want God in their business. They really don't want their day-to-day actions and decisions um, influenced by God's Word. And they don't want to be told how to live, what to do. And this is especially true when it comes to a person's time and money. But God does have very specific financial laws. You can look around at society today. There's uh, a lot of financial upheaval. And it's because laws aren't being followed. There's always the breaking of the law somewhere in there. And even if people don't understand God's laws, they still are in effect. God does have very specific financial laws. And we need to really look at those and make sure that we understand them and look to God's word for direction. So we have a few passages today to look at and uh, see what God says about our finances And if you have a Bible handy, you could get it out. We could look at some of these passages together. The first passage is in Psalm 24. Psalm 24. This just gives us perspective. Psalm 24 in verse 1, it says, The earth is the eternals and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So the foundation that we need here and what we need to understand is that God owns everything. He made the earth, he made the people on the earth, he made the material resources in the earth that we might use. Any type of wealth, it's God's. He owns it. He made it. Everything that we have or might have, including the breath of life, the fact that we're alive at this moment, that comes from God. So we have to remember this if we are to have the right foundation for our financial dealings. If we don't understand that everything belongs to God anyway, we can get pretty selfish with what we have. Everything belongs to God. God gives us everything, but then he does tell us that we do need to pay tithes to him. That is a law that he has. Now, tithe means tenth. It's a tenth. So whatever you get is 100%. There's a, a tenth there that goes to God. That's the first tithe. It goes to God, and God uses it specifically for his work. Notice Leviticus 27 and verse 30. This is something that's been done for a long time, and we'll look at some of the history of this law. Leviticus 27 and verse 30. It says, In all the tithe of the land, again, that's a tenth, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the eternal's. It is holy 
unto the eternal. That tenth, that tithe, is holy to God. And it's his. It belongs to him. And he says we need to give it to him. And then we have 90% to work with, and then there's a second tithe that uh, God uses and, and gives gives us for a holy day observance and such. So there's a lot more about that. At thetrumpet.com, we're not going to get into all the specific details, but we're looking at the overall focus here of God's financial law regarding the first tithe in particular. Who do we pay the tithe to? Okay, it belongs to God. Well, what do we do with it? Well, God gives us direction regarding this. Before Moses even, the tithe was paid directly to Melchizedek. Melchizedek. He's an interesting figure in the the Old Testament. Notice this in Genesis 14, and we'll look at verses 18 through 20. Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. That's who Melchizedek was. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. So again, there's a point being made here that God possesses heaven and earth. It all belongs to him. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him tithes of all. So here is an example of Abram paying tithes to Melchizedek. He paid tithes to him. So this is pretty early on. This is before Moses and before Mount Sinai and what was done there and the, the laws and such. And this was in, in uh, effect even before that time. Abram paid tithes to Melchizedek, who was the priest of the Most High God. The correspondence course, that's free at thetrumpet.com. The full title is the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It notes that tithing is revealed in the Bible as God's system for financing his earthly ministry. See, that's what God uses his tithe for. It says prior to the Levitical priesthood, so this is even before that time, and the Old Covenant, the ministry was that of Melchizedek. As God's representative on earth, Melchizedek received the tithes from God's faithful servants at that time. And so that's who the tithes went to. They they were gods, and they were given to Melchizedek. Now he went on to become Jesus Christ. We have a lot about that also at thetrumpet.com. It's a really interesting history. But that's who received the tithes from Abraham. 10% and he gave it to Melchizedek. And then if we look at Numbers 18, we notice who received the tithe in the Levitical priesthood in ancient Israel. So God's work was being done in different ways. It went from Melchizedek, and then there was this Levitical priesthood. Numbers 18 and verse 21. And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance for their service which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So the tithe was used for God's work, and the Levitical priesthood was being used to do it at that time. You can read verses 26 through 27 there in Numbers 18, and it shows that the Levites also tithed. They paid their tithe as well. The correspondence course says, God had set Aaron's family in highest authority over the Levites, 
As priests, they were to receive a tithe from the income of all the other Levites. Further, it says, Melchizedek, the member of the Godhead who became Jesus Christ, for, um, selected the Levites to be his ministers. So it was being done through the Levitical priesthood at that time, and the people paid their tithe to them. Now, of course, it was God's tithe, but it was given to the Levitical priesthood for their work. It says God's ministry through the Levitical priesthood was a material, ritualistic ministry of reminding a carnal nation of their failure to keep the laws of God. You know, there was a lot of sacrifices and things that were done, and it was keeping people in remembrance of the fact that there was a law and there was a penalty for breaking it. Further, the correspondence course notes, So Christ, or Melchizedek, ordained a change in the tithing law. He turned the tenth he had always personally received over to the Levites, and thereby transferring receipt of the tithe to the Levitical priesthood for their support. Further, it says, but there was no commission to proclaim the gospel to the world at that time. That's not what they were doing. God's plan, it says, for that dispensation merely called for the Levites to teach the people the letter of the law and to administer the physical rituals and sacrifices as reminders of sin. Therefore, the tithes the people were commanded to bring to them were mainly for their support. So that's how the tithe was paid there in ancient Israel. We're seeing some of the history here. See, God's tithe is a command. It's a law. It has to be given to him. It all belongs to him anyway. But he says, okay, give me a tenth, and I'm going to use it for my work. Melchizedek received those tithes from Abraham, from Abram, and then it was given eventually to the Levitical priesthood in ancient Israel. They were given the tithe. Now there's a change again. Notice Hebrews 7 and verse 12. The priesthood was changed. You know, we don't have the Levitical priesthood today. That's been changed. Hebrews 7 and verse 12. It says, For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. So there's no Levitical priesthood today, but God does have a a ministry. The correspondence course notes the Levitical priesthood was superseded by the priesthood of Jesus Christ, the Melchizedek priesthood restored. And so there was also a change as to who should now receive the tithe. Christ has authorized his New Testament ministry to receive the tithes in order to do the spiritual work of his church. So again, all throughout history, when you look at how the tithe was paid and who it was paid to, it's God's tithe, that first tithe. It's used for God's work. Abram paid it to Melchizedek. Then it was paid to the Levitical priesthood for that work there in ancient Israel. And today it's given to God's church, and it's used by the ministry to do God's work. There's a lot of uh, work to be done, a message to be proclaimed. And it is being proclaimed to this world, and it's financed by those tithes. And, of course, offerings as well. But there is that tithe. God says, look, that tithe is his. It's holy to him. He uses it for his work. And that's been the case all throughout man's history. And we need to be keeping that law and paying that tithe. It it is, of course, something that a person has to decide to do. 
to part with that money, but there's some great promises, also some serious warnings when it comes to whether a person pays the tithe to God or not. And again, that goes to God's church and his ministry. Malachi 3, verses 7 through 12. It says, Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. So God's correcting people that have turned away here. He says, Return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Eternal of hosts. But you said, Well, wherein shall we return? So they have a bit of an attitude issue here, talking back to God. And then God gets very specific in verse 8. He says, Will a man rob God? Wow, what a question to ask. Can you imagine robbing God, stealing from him? I mean, that's uh, uh, extremely serious, obviously. He says, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, Well, wherein have we robbed you? Well, where, where did we do that? We, you know, how, how did that happen? Well, he gives them the answer. He says, in tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. See, people uh, turned away. Of course, he's addressing this Laodicean group here mainly. But, uh, you know, tithing is a law. It is in effect. And yet many people say, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to pay those. But it's a law. It's a law. And if we don't pay the tithe to God for his work, to his church, we're robbing God. And notice what he says, verse 9, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation or this whole world, because God's message isn't able to go out to the world if there's not the, the tithe there to finance that. Now God will still make sure his work is done. He does work through those that are faithful. But individually, if people reject God's law, they do not pay his tithe, which is holy to him for his work. It has to be paid to the right work. Well, then there's a curse. And if you look around at the world and you look around at America today, even though there are still great blessings, uh, those are being taken away, aren't they? We see all kinds of problems today financially. And why? Well, because God's laws are being broken, including the law of the first tithe, tithing to God, giving him that tithe that's holy to him. And there's more to tithing than just that, but that's what we're looking at today. There's more information at thetrumpet.com. We've got quite a bit on that if you'd like to get into more of a study. But God says, look, you robbed me in tithes and offerings. But then there's this, this really awesome side of it too in verse 10 where he says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, so God's work can be done. It says, improve me herewith. So this is a challenge directly from God. Go ahead and prove me. Try this out. He's challenging you. He's challenging me. Go ahead and prove this, he says. Says the eternal of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. There's many people that have put God to the test on that, and they have tithed, and God has responded. He has poured out blessings upon them. Spiritual blessings, certainly. Many physical blessings as well. Many physical blessings as well. God does promise to pour out a blessing. And he can do that in a lot of different ways. But people have to tithe. Verse 11, he says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, 
And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Eternal of hosts. So God will make sure things last as they should. He'll make sure that, that we don't have destruction come unnecessarily. You know, we know nothing lasts forever physically, but some things last a long time. God can make sure that things do last. The devourer ultimately is Satan. We need protection from him and from his destruction, spiritually and physically. And that protection is tied back into obeying God's laws, including the law of tithing here specifically. Verse 12, And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Eternal of hosts. See, you, you can't control what happens in this nation. But, you know, uh, people make their own decisions. But you can control what happens in your life. You can tithe. God gives you that that command and then it says, prove me, try it. The course points out this. It says, can anyone afford to rob God? You know, sometimes people will think about tithing and they'll say, well, I can't afford to do it. But the question is, well, can you afford to rob God? Can I afford to rob God? Of course not. It says, stealing from God is a very serious matter. None of your income is really yours. My income is not mine. Everything belongs to God. It says, but God claims only a tenth of it, and he reserved the first tenth unto himself. It is only after we acknowledge God's prior claim over that first tenth of our income that we have a legitimate claim to the other nine-tenths. So, again, God has a work that he does with those ties. He has a church, and there is a message that has to go out. You can read some about that in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. You can read about uh, more of that in Matthew 24 and verse 14, and a lot of the work that was done through Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong. You can read... Matthew 17, verses 10 through 11. You can read Revelation 10, verse 11. And you just see this picture of a work that has been done that is continuing to be done. There is a work that has to be done, and it's financed through tithes. God gives people everything. And then he says, okay, the first tenth of that I want back, and I'm going to use it to do my work. And that's done through his church and his ministry today. That's the way God does it. That's the way he does it. And he promises blessings for obedience, but there are curses that come for disobedience. In this time of uh, financial upheaval, and you see it all over in uh, society today, you need something that's sure, something that's a, you know, you can, you can build your life on that's unmovable. And the only thing that's that way is God and his promises. And his tithing law is an awesome law. It brings blessings, and it blesses everybody that that uh, pays those tithes. It helps the world. It helps the person paying the tithe. It's a virtuous cycle of blessings. We have a lot more about that. It's at thetrumpet.com. You can read about uh, finances, you know. And we've got several booklets that talk specifically about finances, managing finances, making sure that things are in order in that way, and there's always a lot to learn in that. And, of course, the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course gets into this topic, uh, and you can look at that in, um, in that course, and that's free at thetrumpet.com as well. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live by Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. 
You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.